Welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people explode into their lives through full impact mindfulness. We're helping people not define themselves, however, to create themselves. The only admission price is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. If you believe you're welcome nowhere else, you're certainly welcome here. So jump in the canoe, grab a paddle, and let the adventure begin. Uh, greetings, everyone. As you probably know by now, I'm Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist. And today we're joined by a guest from New York City who found us via magic along these airwaves. Uh, so we're going to be introducing you to a new friend, Faggy Cobry. So, Faggy, could you tell us what's good about being Faggy Cobry? Huh, what's good about? Well, um, I have six kids <laughs> and a bunch of grandkids who and which some of them live upstairs from me. So that is what's really great, you know, otherwise most of them live far. So I have a bunch of little ones living upstairs and that is great. Keeps well, you young. <laughs> I, well, something must be as when we spoke the other night, I had accused you of uh, finding the fountain of youth and sipping up from it for a long time. <laughs> I got good genes. You should see my mom. She's 84 and she, um, you would never believe it. Ah. So. <laughs> okay. Could you uh, let us know where you're broadcasting from? Where are we? I am this? broadcasting from the name of the small little place is called Bayswater, New York, which is part of an area called Far Rockaway, which is part of Queens, which is part of New York City. Okay. Wow. Uh, for us down here in Pittsburgh, New York City may seem like some far off mythical type of land. Yeah, but it's drivable. You don't have to get into a plane. But, you know. Yes, it certainly is. So uh, tell us how you found us. Tell us how you found our podcast emanating from Pittsburgh. Well, I was looking for, um, I've gotten into uh, my mission, which is to help people discover um, themselves through art. And a lot of that is through mindfulness. Um, so people that are into mindfulness are looking for ways to be more mindful. And the kind of art I teach is very mindful. And I was looking through mindfulness podcasts. And yeah, when I saw yours fishing, fishing without bait, it reminds me of what from Calvin and Hobbes, you know, he called fishing napping with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. We're gonna hold. We're going to hold on to that one. That's uh, that. That's really good. So one of the confusing things about mindfulness, Faggy, is that a lot of people have the image in their mind when they think of mindfulness is sitting on a satin pillow, surrounded by ten thousand candles with your eyes closed and your hands in some type of a uh, formation, going mm, all day. Right. That was reminds me of. A, do you remember the movie The Goodbye Girl? Yes. There was a, I just remember that scene. I think it starts off with him sitting there on a pillow and he's meditating. I just, it sticks in my head. Um, because I think people mix up mindfulness with meditation. Um, they don't realize that meditation is a form of mindfulness. Um, you know, I'm, I, how I see mindfulness is being aware. Uh, being aware and I find that the art that I'm into is is a way to make you aware because we're doing it in a slow way. We're doing it in an expressive way. 
We're not trying to emphasize product. We're trying to emphasize process. So it kind of really makes you slow down and become mindful and aware of your surroundings, the materials, the sensory feelings of what you're using. So it really fits into mindfulness without having to meditate. I really like that explanation. I think one of the simplest explanations of mindfulness is paying attention on purpose. And I think that's what you're doing. And there's many, just as we often say, there's many roads to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's still Pittsburgh. There's many ways to mindfulness. Uh, once the Buddha was asked, are you a spirit? Are you a demon? Are you a devil? Are you a god? He said, what are you? And the Buddha replied that he was awake. So hopefully that perhaps you can guide us through how you got from there, wherever you were, to here tonight when we're speaking. So I started out my career um, as an early childhood educator. Um, I got my master's in early childhood education back in the 80s. And I was a teacher. Um, I was a teacher. I was a, a, you know, a nursery school teacher, a kindergarten teacher. And then I became a preschool director. But what I really took to a lot in, in teaching these little kids was what my graduate school very much focused on. It was, it's a very progressive education and like not your typical traditional kind of education. And they're uh, very into kids being very creative and not, not into the cookie cutter copycat crafts that are so pre prevalent um, all over the place, especially in so many schools, nurseries, uh, uh, kindergartens, elementary schools. And I really took to that. And I, I loved giving my students creative art. And I loved watching what they were able to come up with. And I, I just got a, you know, tremendous amount of satisfaction out of that. And it, you know, really, really spoke to me. And, um, then I became a preschool director and then I, I got married and I started having my family and I really wanted to be home uh, with them. So I left full-time teaching, but I continued with teaching. I became a workshop director. I started giving workshops to Head Starts, to daycare centers, to teachers, private schools, to teachers, to teach them how to give kids creative art that is going to enhance their learning as, as opposed to stifling them. Um, so I did that. I did that for a while. And, and on the side, I also became a, a photographer. I was a high-end portrait photographer for 25 years. That was kind of, uh, I did that on the side. Um, and then I got interested at one point, I got interested in internet marketing and, um, you know, I started buying courses and, you know, they say when you're building something, you have to build what you know. So what did I know? I knew early childhood education and art. So I put together a website for parents and teachers teaching them creative art. And um, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so I took, a, um, I took a course on how to market it. And I was having a whole conversation one day with one of the coaches from this program. And I was explaining to her how so many adults have so many problems with feeling uncreative. And like, like they can't draw. And I, and I think a lot of it had to do with 
their early experiences, either because of the wrong kinds of art they were given or maybe, you know, comments, the things that were made to them by their adult teachers or parents. And she challenged me. She said, why don't you start a website for adults? And you, this way you can teach them why they don't feel artistic and why they can't tap into the, the beauty and the unbelievable benefits of art. And then you'll kind of bring them back to your kid's website. But what happened was I, you know, I started doing research, started reading a lot of books on creativity and stuff. And it was very fascinating to me. And I came across this term mixed media art. And I was like really hooked. And I started reading about it and taking books out of the library and then buying books. And then I was buying supplies. And I really got into this mixed media art. And I ended up starting a website. This is my website, which is creativityreignited.com. And so I started a website for that. So I started getting more into art. And meanwhile, in the interim, I had, um, because I had started my uh, other website for children, I ended up. Uh, becoming an uh, an elementary school art teacher because I needed content. I needed content for my website. And a friend of mine was starting this private school in my neighborhood. And I we kind of made up that I was going to be her art teacher, which I still am today. This year, this is my 10th year, actually. And um, so I um, so I, I put together this new website, this website that was, um, uh, you know, for adults. And then I got into I got into uh, something called alcohol inks, which is a new fascinating medium that I was into for a while, and and I kind of started getting at like this long view. I I had been a an early childhood educator, and then now I, I've been a elementary school art teacher, and then I've been working with women. I have like a class in my home that I've been doing for like five years, and I've been giving classes online and offline, and. I started really getting the whole view of where people are coming from with their art. And I started realizing what it does for people and how amazing it is and how healing it is and how so many people can get into it. If only they would stop thinking that they needed to know how to draw, because what happens is people are born. Some people are born with this amazing skill, knowing how to draw. Some people are also born with the amazing skill and having perfect pitch and sitting down at a piano, being able to play whatever they want. But that doesn't mean you don't take piano lessons if you don't have it. And it doesn't mean you can't learn how to draw if you don't. But what happens is in the art area, if the people think that they can't draw, that means art is not for them. So they're either given these ridiculous copycat cookie cutter crafts, which takes them away from the experimentation and the learning the materials that they need to really naturally um, evolve into creativity and creative art. And, and so people end up growing up thinking art is not for them. Art is not for them because they can't draw. So what, what I've done recently actually is that I created this micro course, which is on my website, um, Creativity Reignited, which is really taking people back to their childhood. It's like there's like little videos on five different mediums that show you how you can get into art without any product involved. Just use the materials, use a brush, use glue. I have acrylic paints, watercolor paints, 
doodling, collage, and then this alcohol links that I've been into. And it is, it's a way to get people to tap into um, their childhoods to heal from their creativity scars, because most people have creativity scars, and to just focus on the calm and the relaxation of, of creating, of using your hands, the sensory feelings. It is really, it's an amazing, it's amazing creativity. There's a book when I was doing my research, it was a book I read called The Creativity Cure, uh, written by a, a husband and wife team who are both doctors. And the whole book is about the creativity cure, how creativity heals with what ails you. If you're depressed, if you're anxious, how it works better even than antidepressants. Peggy, could you say more about creativity scars? There are developmental stages in everything, right? If you're learning how to talk, you start with sounds. Kids, babies make sounds, and then they, they're babbling, and then they're cooing. I remember this from my speech class I took in graduate school. And then they're, they start to say words, and then they start stringing together sentences. And that's the way it goes. Same goes with learning to walk. First, you learn to roll over, and then you learn to sit, and then you learn to crawl, and then you learn to walk. In, in art, in art, there are stages also. There are stages. So the first stage is getting to know the materials. Let's say you have crayons, right? You just get to know that crayons go on paper. They don't go on walls. They don't go on couches, right? Floors, they go on paper. And they need to explore the material. If you're brave enough to give your child paint, they're just, they're just exploring the material. What happens is our very, very product-focused society doesn't like that because they're not making anything. They're not allowing them to be their age, to be their age. Like one of the things I've always told when I used to give workshops, so sometimes I'd have in the, in the room, I'd have teachers of three-year-olds, of four-year-olds, and of five-year-olds. And I used to say the hardest is to be a teacher of a three-year-old because you really, really have to spend the whole year letting them be three-year-olds. Like if they're four and five, they're already starting to create something that you could say maybe looks like something. But people have a very hard time letting kids do what we call messes. So while we let kids talk naturally and we let kids walk naturally in a lot of the developmental stages, when it comes to art, we don't. We have to immediately jump in and give kids um, products. You're going to make this because I, the adult, decide that this is what you should make. And even though it's not going to come out like mine and it's, it's, it's not developmentally appropriate, this is what I want. If I'm a teacher, this is what I want to send home. So the kid ends up feeling like, oh, I, I can never do that. I'm not good. The teacher doesn't trust me. Um, I've spoken to many people. I remember speaking to someone who said she, I was talking about this once when I was school and in school yet years ago. And she said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I remember when I was in kindergarten, my teacher holding up a project and saying, we're going to make that. And me thinking mine will never look that way. So they're, they're saying, we don't trust you. You can't create the way, um, you can, that, you know, you can. 
So what happens is as they go on, as they go on into older, there's very, very few adults that really have enough of the patience and the know-how to be able to allow kids to be and to give them the right um, compliments. So you'll have teachers or parents telling them that really doesn't look good. You're doing it wrong. This causes kids to withdraw. And they say, I cannot do art. I cannot do art because the expectations are way beyond what they can do. Now, when people get a little older, you, you can anybody can learn how to draw. You do, There are programs to teach you. Anybody could learn how to draw. There's a, a, a many years ago, I had a, a painter in my house and he was doing these, like all these fancy paintings. And he sent his assistant into the room he was doing for my boys. He was doing um, a space uh, theme. And in his broken English, he was telling us how in the Ukraine, they learn drawing the way they learn math and science. It's part of the curriculum. So it's just to show that drawing can be learned, but you don't have to learn it because it, it is hard work. It is hard work. Math is hard work too. Um, if you really want to be successful at it. Um, but you can, if you let kids start out with the materials, you, you'll see how it, it starts to develop. I once had a kid who came to me from another country. I was teaching kindergarten and he had a very high IQ and he started to paint. He was five, but he started to paint like a three-year-old. And then he did that for a few weeks. And then it start, he start, you started seeing that he was making things that showed a little bit more thought. And then pretty soon he was like making people because that was more like a five-year-old because he was allowed to progress through the stages. And most of us are not. Allowing children to be their age. Inter right. Interesting thought. People don't. We want kids to grow up so fast. You know, and, and, it, and this, is why, this is why we have so many people who can't, uh, we can't, oh, I, I, this is like the mantra people tell me, well, oh, I can't draw a straight line. With a ruler, I can't draw a straight <laughs> line. <laughs> and you number one, so who cares if you can't draw a straight line? You don't have to know how to draw a straight line to do art. Um, you know, so that, that's my mission is really, it, it's, it's also, especially in midlife, right? In midlife, people start to slow down a little bit more. We have more time. We're willing to try things, at least some people, some people are never going to try anything new. Um, and it's a time to see what this could do for you. Art adds so much to your life. It adds so much color, so much interest. There is so much there is so much to do with it. It, it, but it's also the kind of art that I do. It's almost like a stepping stone. At a number of years ago, when I was starting my class in my home, I met an, a friend of a friend and I tried to talk her into coming to the class. She said, oh, I, I can't do art. My mother was a sculptress. I can't do it. And I happened to have one of my mixed media art journals with me. And I, I opened it up and I said, what about this? And she said, hey, I can do that. You know what? I'm going to join. And she joined. She brought a friend. She was with me for about four years hmm. and she recently moved overseas and she recently sent me a picture. She said, I am taking an acrylic painting class. And she said, I would never have had the confidence to do this if I hadn't taken your classes and, and worked with you because it opened her up. She felt extremely uncreative. 
but she tried it and we made messes and had a great time and we're expressive. And now she's going further. So you helped her develop confidence. Yeah. So one of the, the, the concept of fishing without bait began when uh, the producer of this program and I, Mike, uh, were connected with a uh, psychiatric facility called Seclair, and that's French for knowledge, enlightenment through knowledge. And we had a very progressive-minded uh, psychiatrist that we worked with. Um, and one of the things that we taught, we did, we did a uh, podcast every week called Educational Rounds. I did it with physician assistant students, and we introduced a concept every single week. Uh, and this is where the fishing without bait things we here and we'll give this free prescription at the end of this podcast, uh, Faggy. But what we usually do is here's a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. So the concept of this was generally people, anxiety and worry generally are foundationally fear. And it comes from when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves, or my most likely trying to live up to what we believe is unrealistic expectations of others. And what you're talking about is allowing children to be their age, not putting expectations on them. Right. And then the, the kids that are able to do that, they just come into it naturally. And there are going to be, be some kids that don't like art. There are adults, even though I, I can't understand that, but there definitely are adults that are not interested in art. Somebody asked me recently, so how do you, um, how do you get people uh, to want to do art? I said, I can't get people to, if they have an interest in it. Like years ago, I was the type that would walk into an art supply store and I felt like I was a, a drunk in a liquor store. <laughs> I, literally, you know, I, people who know, people who are art supplies addicts, they know the rush it gives them when we buy art supplies. They, there's like a real rush. So, and But I didn't know how to use them. So there are people who love that and they just don't, they can't draw and, and they're frustrated. You know, that's the kind of person that's interested. Or somebody who says, Wow, I wish I could have done that when I was a kid. There's some people that are just not interested. I love music. Yeah, I love running or whatever it is that, you know, or they want to just be a spectator and not a doer. You know how many people watch art videos on YouTube for hours without ever picking up a material? <laughs> well, uh, I know that I've watched plenty of Bob Ross videos. Ah, mm hmm. <laughs> Plenty of them, because, well, mainly because of the soothing aspect. But I think did you ever do that, or you just watch them, or you did them also? I used them. Uh, I used them as more of a mindfulness exercise, listening uh -huh. to Bob's voice and having uh -huh. uh, proof. But you mentioned the American educational system, and part of the educational system in the United States has been referred to as fixed purposefulness, is when you have a definite goal in mind, and you can't vary from that. Um, right. Yeah, you heard of? You ever listened to Sir Ted um, Robinson? What was his name? Sir Ted. Got his last name Wilson. He wrote a. He 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 had a very very famous TED talk that was been listened to like probably a couple of million times, and he talks about um, does our education stump uh, stunt our creativity. And he had a, a quote in one of the books he wrote that I read. He says, "Your most people's education starts on uh, um, as it go. Most people's education start after they finish their schooling." 
Oh, Be- ab- absolutely. That's where the experience comes in. There's a concept called divergent thinking, uh, Faggy, and there's a famous experiment. They gave uh, a bunch of five-year-olds uh, a paper clip and a shoe and asked them to come up with as many different uses for those as they could. Well, genius level divergent thinking is coming up with over 200 uses. And at the five-year-olds, 98% of them could come up with over 200 uses. Some of them were, of course. Uh, very, Ridiculous. Very, very, very <laughs> of course. But they still came up with them. And they, uh-huh. test, they tested those same children when they were 10 years old. And 32% had genius level divergent thinking. They tested them again when they were 15 years old. 12% had genius level divergent thinking and that 200,000 adults were tested 2% had genius level divergent thinking. Now genius level divergent thinking is not being able to do quadratic equations in your head. Right. Uh, it's, it's what you're talking about creativity and that creativity, it seems to have been somehow, uh, extracted from people. And we'll continue our conversation with our exciting guest, Faggy, next week. And until then, remember a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Doing a kindness for yourself is doing a kindness for another. Forgiving yourself is forgiving another. If we're all not God's children, none of us are God's children. Till all are free, none are free. Be good to yourself. Namaste, my friends. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.